When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Terrio Media. How do you know when you're being successful? Most people kind of look at success as something aspirational, like looking down uh, the road and mm-hmm. saying, I'm, I'll be successful when I get to this, when I, when I make a million dollars or when I have this amount of money or when I you know, do this many properties or something that you're, you're de- defining a goal as how they know they'll be successful. Right. But the reality is when you, the kind of success that we're looking for is the sustainable feeling of success. Hi, I'm Matt Terrio and welcome to the Epic Real Estate Investing Show. And today is Thought Leader Thursday. All right, so on today's episode of Thought Leader Thursday, I am joined by someone who I refer to as a marketing genius. And considering we're all marketers before we are real estate investors, I thought it was fitting to have him on the show, so I'm very excited about it. He fell in love with marketing as a young boy when he first realized that selling stuff on commission was much better than renting himself out uh, by the hour for a regular job. And he's never looked back. So he carried this distaste. I like the way he says that. He's carried this distaste for real work into his adult life and is focused on a lifestyle-centered approach to business using marketing as the ultimate lever to a life of freedom and fun. So please help me welcome to the show, Mr. Dean Jackson. Dean, welcome to Epic Real Estate Investing. Hey, man. Welcome. This is exciting. Yeah, isn't it? I feel like... uh, you know, we've seen each other a few times now here in the, in the last, what, six to eight months. I feel like that's true. Here. So, Dean, I was as I was reading about you and, and as I've talked about you, what was that young boy moment that caused you to fall in love with marketing? It's interesting because when I was 14, waited and waited and waited until you were 14 was the minimum age where you were allowed to get a job. Uh-huh. And my friend Neil and I went up to the bowling alley in town and we both applied at the same time. We both got hired. And that was uh, for a job at the minimum wage of $2.50 per hour, which is what it was. You know, this is like, we're talking 1980 now, you know? Yep. And what I realized is that was like a long, uh, you know, eight hours on a Saturday in the bowling alley was a busy day. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, you know, you'd end up with less than 20 bucks or whatever, uh, you know, after taxes and stuff. And I also, I'd had a paper route, uh, you know, before I was uh, 14. And one of the things that my newspaper did was they published these as a separate uh, little venture, these uh, coupon books. Mm-hmm. And I discovered that I could make probably $15 an hour selling these coupon books door to door. And that's when I realized, well, this is way better. I can get a lot less work and make more money. And I'm the one in complete control of this. So mm-hmm. that was the, that's the only job I've ever had. And uh, so from there, everything I did was all on the, 
results economy, we call it, where you're getting for your uh, results, not your time and effort. Right. You know, I have a, a similar background, a similar story. Um, I did take jobs here and there to help uh, help ends meet while I was in those entrepreneurial endeavors. But I'm always interested that people that started that way, because I started with the paper route myself. I started going, I started also door-to-door sales. Yeah. I'm always curious as to what are some of the more interesting things that you sold? We had the coupon books, subscriptions for the magazine. Magazines, right. Um, the, um, was doing a, ran a, a painting company um, all through college. My friends and I owned a hot dog cart where that was a valuable lesson in that we had partnered or uh, contracted with a nightclub close to us that would allow us to come and set our cart up on you know Thursday through Sunday. And we would you know, we were the only food, they didn't have any food in the place. So we would from, you know, nine o'clock till one o'clock in the morning, we would make, you know, a lot of money in that little bit of time. Mm -hmm. And compared to, you know, if we were pushing the cart around the neighborhood, trying to sell hot dogs all week, we wouldn't make what you made by being in front of a starving crowd. You know, you learn the lesson of alliances with what would be the equivalent of, of traffic now, you know, mm-hmm. of, of being uh, in those things. And with the painting company, we had the lesson of, you know, generating leads, but we started a separate company called Name Droppers. And what we did was we would hire um, college girls to go into neighborhoods and do surveys in the spring to mm-hmm. find people who are going to be doing home improvement projects in the summer. And we would have a checklist with all different home improvement projects, like a new roof, windows, pool, siding, driveway, deck, landscaping, all of it. And mm-hmm. we would take the painting leads for our painting company, but we would sell or refer the other leads to other companies in each of those categories. So we turned our lead generation, our advertising into a profit center. And in some cases, if we refer a pool to uh, the pool company, our referral fee for that would be more than the money we would make if we had painted their house. And sometimes we would get to do both. Sometimes we would paint the house and referred the pool company and made uh, the money for that. So I've just always been, I, I've just had that love for, for marketing from the very mm-hmm. beginning, you know? The internet has put the, those types of creative, creative ideas on full steam ahead for you. Absolutely, yeah. Right? One of the things I found interesting the, the few times that we've been together is that you've always got like an interesting story or an anecdote or a fact or some sort of historical reference to make a point. And, and I was reading about you and you said uh, that one of your favorite things is to discover new information. Right. And, you know, I've just noticed that every time you've got some new information. So do you have a process for what you set out to learn or is it just kind of, you know, happen? I think it's one of those things is like I'm insatiably curious and so I love to um, just pay attention and, you know, look and read and to watch new things and kind of explore different 
things what other businesses are doing and the way that my uh, business works with all the different podcasts and the events that I do I get exposed to and get to see all kinds of different uh, businesses so I have a whole new um, you know multifaceted kind of a view on things what's something that you've learned recently that you're most excited about what I've really discovered now is um, for most of my career, one of the winning moves that I've done is to create something that I call is a scale-ready algorithm. I'll figure out something uh, like on the real estate um, side, mm -hmm. I'll figure out how to get listings for realtors. And then I would then syndicate that turnkey system that I've created to all other realtors all over the country. And so we spent a lot of years, like 15 years doing big real estate seminars in the top 20 markets in, in North America mm -hmm. every month for 15 years to build this big audience and to take the, um, take these things out to the market. What I've experienced in the last few years is this idea of I've been working with some franchise organizations, like the, the power of, of distribution, where I'm able to work with one franchisee and create a scale-ready algorithm that's something that solves a, a problem or gets new customers. Mm -hmm. And then we're able to immediately distribute it or deploy it to hundreds of franchisees all at once as opposed to creating something and then going out and building one at a time, right? Taking mm -hmm. it out there. Yeah. What does your business look like today? I, you know, I, I know that you're, you're very focused on yeah. you know, creating lifestyle centered businesses. And I think that's one that's of the more benefit of it. But the Big. thing is that, you know, so if we look at it, that my, um, like organizationally, our main or primary purpose is that we help entrepreneurs make more money. Mm -hmm. And so everything that I do kind of falls under that umbrella. And so that opens up so many different things. So we do uh, free podcasts where, mm -hmm. you know, I've got five or six different podcasts that we do, including the I Love Marketing podcast and More Cheese, Less Whiskers and The Joy of procrastination and all these podcasts that are really great conversations about marketing mostly. Mm. And that gives me the opportunity to be in communication and grow a big audience of people who were uh, constantly in, in um, communication with. And then we do live events. So I do our uh, a Breakthrough Blueprint event, which where I uh, met you, came mm -hmm. to one of those. Um, we spend three days with people applying our eight profit activators to um, their business. We've got online programs like our Breakthrough Blueprint program and our email mastery program. Mm -hmm. And then I have a company called uh, 90 Minute Books that we help uh, authors write their first uh, book. Mm -hmm. And tools. So we have uh, I have a company called GoGoClients.com, which is you know um, 
landing pages, autoresponders, toll-free voicemail, postcards, and a CRM mm -hmm. all in one thing. So there's a whole collection of things that all fall under that umbrella of helping entrepreneurs make more money, which is a huge, uh, you know, big enough territory that I'm never going to get tired of it or bored or feel cornered or um, mm -hmm. wondering if there's a bigger market. And, you know, the great news is helping people make more money is a, it's never going to go out of style. One thing I find so intriguing about you is your systemization and your creation of efficiencies. And what you just described to me was actually hearing it all come out at once is, is really rather large, Yeah. right? How do you, I mean, can you touch on, you don't have to go into great detail, I guess, but can you touch on how you able to manage so much? Yeah. Well, it takes a village. That's <laughs> the thing, right? Is people. And mm -hmm. so I always, you know, that's really the thing that, um, you know, I always now have learned to focus on asking myself, you know, the question of who, not how to do mm -hmm. something. So I, I focus on what I see and what an opportunity is and what I want to do, but I don't get trapped in the mechanics of how do I do that. Mm -hmm. I am focused on, okay, who can help me with this? Who right. can I partner with or who can I bring on our team to run that division of our our business and that's been I think that's really been out of necessity because one of the great things is I'm, I'm ADD and you know find it's not natural for me to um, focus and uh, you know do disciplined execution of things but I have an infinite capacity for ideas and, and seeing um, what to do. Right. Yeah. I should have known that answer because that's one of the bigger takeaways I've had from hanging out with you. It's, it's not the how, it's the who. Right. And, uh, well, you passed your own test. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Um, so you talk a lot about business. You talk about a lot about marketing and helping entrepreneurs make more money. What would you like to talk about more that you don't get the opportunity to? You know, I, it's been an interesting thing because you bring up the lifestyle stuff that mm -hmm. you know, I really am a big believer in that the purpose of the business is to support my life, mm -hmm. right? That my life is the thing that is really where uh, what I'm most interested in, right. uh, in growing or, or building. And so I've been thinking about and really working on the dynamic between what I call like the lifestyle elements of something we've got. I've started a, um, a podcast called listing agent lifestyle and it's for our real estate community. And I talk about the, you know, there's eight elements of the listing agent lifestyle. Five of them are kind of the business elements, but the three lifestyle elements are daily joy, abundant time, and financial peace. And we're looking to turn those dials up to 11, you know, where we're trying to get to maximize those three things. And I often find that where people get frustrated is when those three things are out of alignment, right? That if people, if they're 
if they're not joyful, it's usually because they feel like they don't have any time, right? They're stressed with the time. And the reason that they feel with the time crunch is because they feel often that they have a money crunch. And so it's like this whole downward spiral of things that spires together to bring people down where it's the same thing where I look at it. If I can help somebody make more money and do it in a way that takes less time Mm -hmm. and brings them more joy, that's really going to be the, a big win for them, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's why I've been focusing on, you know, really conveying those, the importance of those lifestyle elements. People think it might be indulgent to have abundant time or to even strive to have daily joy. But I think, why not, right? Like those are the real, if you don't have those things, what's the point? What's something that few people know about Dean that you wish more people did know? Well, I have a beautiful singing voice. (laughs) Do you really? Yes. I mean, like an angel. Really? Nice. Yeah, Yeah, I did not know this. There you go. I'm going to tell everybody I know. That's one thing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, (laughs) Are you kidding? (laughs) No, I'm not kidding. Oh, okay. (laughs) I wasn't sure. Nobody's ever asked me that. That's funny. All right, so let's tap into your your magic superpowers. Okay. Dean, if you were a real estate investor, I know you work with a lot of agents, but if you're a real estate investor, Looking for distressed properties, properties that you could find at a discount. Yeah. How would you deploy your superpowers in making that happen? So it's really interesting that I learned about, um, this is something that I I mentioned about name droppers, right? That I'm always thinking about, well, who else is looking for that same person, right? Mm -hmm. That I think that, because I've got so much experience with, real estate agents looking for who are looking for listings, right. preferably not the people who are distressed, right? Mm-hmm. But the, the fact is that you're going to find out of some number of um, people in any neighborhood that there's going to be some number of distressed situations right. and that you know, trying to only find those people is um, – I would, that's not how I would approach it. I'd still try and find the people as if they're going to be normal sellers in a way, like not stressed, especially the way we're doing it, which is offering um, the valuable information um, mm-hmm. for people. Because anybody who's thinking about selling their house, the thing that they want to know is what is it worth, you know? Right. And, but so I, we've hit on a way of doing that that's not as isolating as find out what your house is worth, like enter your address here to find out what your house is worth, which people have been, you know, tricked on that for, for a little while now, right? That we have been offering people the opportunity to voyeur in on the, uh, you know, April, 2019 report on, Winter Haven Lakefront house prices, where it's like the report is already done mm-hmm. and you get to voyeur in on it, right? Now, mm-hmm. when those people respond, 
I, as an investor, would be looking to, uh, you know, present those people with an opportunity to sell their house right away. Mm-hmm. Or, but if they're not that, to also then refer those to a real estate agent or to um, mm-hmm. you know, get that sponsored or to get, you recoup the money that I spent to generate those leads. Right. Looking at how can I generate those leads at a profit. The concept being offering, say, your market report. Yeah, the market. Uh, yeah, but more where it's not so much focused on you and singling you out. It's that you happen to live in a townhouse in a particular uh, area, like mm-hmm. the Winterhaven townhouse report. That means that you're interested to know what all the townhouses are selling for. Yeah. Or if you live in a community called Lake Ashton or Cypress Wood or a golf course community, you want to know what the activity is going on in there because you may be thinking about your options. Can I get, can I negotiate a short sale? Can I uh, get out of this? Can I, you know, you want to, the data, the more information that you have is going to, create more options for you, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the fact that somebody asks for it is going to create the opportunity, you know? So then it would be like an opt-in type situation and a follow-up phone call? Is that how you do it? We don't actually, my whole uh, way of doing it is that we don't even make the phone calls. It's mm. I've got uh, my whole way of setting it up was, what would I do to get listings if my phone only accepted incoming calls mm. and that's the way that it's been. So we've set up everything. So I can do this for realtors everywhere just mm. to uh, get them to uh, the point where people call them up and say, Hey, can you come and list my house? And it happens all the time. The, the power of a, of a powerful question, right? Well, that's it. But I think, you know, are, are you noticing how, I'll ask you a question because I'm curious about this too. How do you think things like Open Door and um, the iBuyers and stuff are going to change the distressed property investment uh, right. situation? Yeah, you know, I'm. I don't know what the the workings on the back end look like. So basically, they're they're um, venture backed. They've got all the money, so okay. they they. If you want to sell your house to open door, what you do is you call, you uh, fill out a little form, send them some pictures of your house. They look it over 24 hours later, they give you an offer for mm-hmm. your house. And typically the offer will be for, you know, that number market value, basically minus the 6% uh, fee for the open door experience plus another 3% or so for a risk fee um, on top of that. So you basically will get, you know, 90% of what market value is for Mm -hmm. your house. Mm -hmm. Um, And, but you can close in three days or you can close in 33 days or three months, whenever you want to close. Mm -hmm. So it kind of gives a, a, a baseline, but you're, you know, I think overall they were saying within uh, Phoenix, where they have a, a pretty good, almost ten percent market share um, mm-hmm. in Phoenix, that 
their average is about six and a half to seven percent off of um, off the market. Off the market value, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've got two thoughts on it. One was I was a real estate agent. That's how I got started. Yeah. That was in two thousand two. So I was two thousand two to two thousand six. I was an agent, and I remember back then everybody, every agent was always nervous because I was kind of the emergence of Zillow or like with their introduction oh. to the market. And everyone was really concerned about that. And I remember that, I forget the actual number, but I think there was like 1.1 million real estate agents across yeah. the country. Yeah. I think the last time I looked, there was about 1.1 million real estate agents. Yeah, exactly. Right? right? So there's that part of it where I've, I've, had, I've seen this kind of fear and this, you know, this discussion and chatter about something like that. And it, ha- it hasn't had an impact yet. Um, the other part I think about is, I think it's going to take a lot of public education for someone just to sell their house through a phone yeah. or through a computer, yes. right? Where that becomes normal. And I think that's right. going to take longer than most people think. Yes. That's my thoughts. I agree. Yeah. And I, but I think as it becomes, yeah, normal, like when you look at it, when somebody, what would your investors be typically looking to buy a property for if it's a distressed situation? What kind of a discount off a of market value are, are you finding right. that you guys are able to negotiate? The, the common formula is taking, um, taking what fair market value is, subtracting repairs, subtracting your profit, right? Mm-hmm. And in that, in that profit, there could be your profit only or your profit plus maybe another investor you might sell that per- property to. So yeah. it's kind of a big chunk. So I think people are looking between 50 and 70% off of, mar- yeah. of market, right? Yeah. yeah. Totally. And so that's like when you're the, uh, but that's the kind of thing is when you're the only option that somebody has, that mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense. But when it's like, you think about how prevalent CarMax is right now in mm-hmm. the car world where you can just literally drive your car up and drive away with a check, then mm-hmm. that's the, that's where a lot of in, in, major markets, that's a, that's where it's going, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's interesting because the data is available so that they can determine what market value is, you know? Right, right. Yeah, no, I, th- I think something's going it, to, it, they'll meet eventually, right? Yeah. What we do here at, at Epic, uh, we're very much more of the buy and hold strategy. So the, the deep discount yeah. isn't necessarily yeah. required because right. we're not flippers. I don't know, yeah. I'm not. I have clients that are, but uh, if there were three guiding principles for your success, what would they be? So, you know, I think that those can all be found in something I did about 20 years ago. I decided to define what success means to me. Mm -hmm. And so I created, I did this work with a gentleman called Thomas Leonard. And Thomas was really instrumental in kind of guiding me through that process. But the conversation we were having was how do you know when you're being successful? Most people kind of look at success as something aspirational, like looking down uh, the road and Mm -hmm. saying, I'll be successful when I get to this, when I, when I make a million dollars or when I have this amount of money or when I, you know, do this many properties or something that you're, you're de- defining a goal as how they know they'll be successful. Right. But the reality is when you, the kind of success that we're looking for is the sustainable 
feeling of success, right? How do you know that you're being successful? So we start, instead of thinking about it as something aspirational, we started looking and thinking, how will I know it when I'm experiencing it right now so that I can just be successful, right? Right. And so all we did was fill out the, the statement, uh, I know I'm being successful when, and so we filled those out with finishing that statement with what it means to you, you know? Mm-hmm. And so for me, my top three, as you asked about three, my top three are that I know I'm being successful when I can wake up every day and say, what would I like to do today? Mm-hmm. So that means my number one value is time freedom, right? Right that I know I'm being successful when I'm in complete control of my time and I can do whatever I want. Mm -hmm. Then number two is that I know I'm being successful when my passive revenue exceeds my lifestyle needs Mm -hmm. so that I don't have to spend my time to provide for my life. That gives you, another level of freedom. Then the third is that I'm working on projects I'm excited about and doing my very best work. And that is an infinitely scalable statement because it allows me to, um, it defines everything, you know, I'm working. I'm not just idle laying around kind of thing. I'm, I'm working towards something right on projects so I'm, there's always a newness and an excitement and a beginning and a middle and an end on mm-hmm. a project. Right. But I'm excited about, meaning I want to work on the things that I want to move forward on. And I'm doing my very best work, which means I get, you know, I'm challenging myself and I'm doing things that I get bigger opportunities the more that um, I grow. You know, mm-hmm. my best work today is better than my best work 20 years ago. And Mm -hmm. I'm a different Dean Jackson than I was 20 years ago, right? I look for the next 20 years to be the exact, uh, you know, continuation of seeing how far can you go with those three uh, Mm -hmm. three premises. I think I'm going to adopt those, if you don't mind. Why wouldn't you? Right? Those are fantastic. Well, Dean, it's been an absolute pleasure. Let's stay in touch. Let's do it again. Yeah, awesome, man. All righty. Well, thank you so much. Alrighty, so that's it for today. God bless to your success. I'm Matt Terry. I'll see you next week on another episode of Thought Leader Thursday right here on the Epic Real Estate Investing Show. Take care. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.